Sunday Surefire, it's your host, Aaron Downtown Brown. I got the commish with me. Hey, Aaron, what's up, buddy? How's it going, man? Hey, another fun week of football to talk about. Uh, a lot of reviews, a lot of, I think we got a pretty fun agenda um, to talk about. But hey, before that, um, you know, for all you listeners out there, you're not hearing uh, Captain Carmen's voice this week as it's his, uh, his birthday. Uh, but I think we still have a pretty fun, fun week. And I think he'll be, he'll be proud. Uh, you know, we got some fun stories and fun, fun things to bring up over dynasty trade talks and free agent love. And, uh, you know, of course, talking the draft this week too. So, um, should be a pretty fun agenda. Yeah. I'm looking forward to going to diving into it this week. Uh, a lot of fun stuff to talk about in the, in the NFL world and the dynasty world, as we know, in dynasty, there really is no off season which is why it's by far the best format out there uh, in terms of fantasy. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll miss Carmen again this week, but uh, he's added another, another feather to the cap. He's uh, he's getting a little bit up there in age, but uh, so we're getting lower. We'll let him get some time off in here and we're looking forward to uh, having him back on here soon. I, I did read an article, you know, some companies out there are, are, I think they've done some research that they say that if you don't have a vacation uh, limit, then your employees actually don't take as much, uh, vacation um, historically, like the data shows. So I think us at Sunday Surefire, uh, we can attest that is not the case with Captain Carmen. We say, hey, we got this open vacation policy. He's, he's going to use it, right? So <laughs> don't let us be in that that study uh, with, with vacation time there. Yeah, for sure. And uh, no, he's taking enough vacation time for the three of us combined. So uh, I, I think when it all averages out at the end of the day, he'll um, we'll end up using an adequate amount of time as a trio. Exactly. Yeah. So it all, it all works out in the end. So all jokes aside, um, you know, I did mention, I think we got a fun um, agenda for the day, you know, kind of looking back, you know, I think this week we're talking about, Hey, what, what do we want to bring this, this week's show? How how do we want to, you know, review or recap, um, you know, what's going on in the the world of football as we know it. Um, You know, I think it's a good time to kind of just recap a little bit of this off season activity you know, we've, we had a lot of free agent moves. We had a lot of exciting trades. We just had the draft to talk about too. So I think, you know, I think we, what we settled on is a pretty, pretty cool way to review it to say, Hey, let's, let's come up with like some of our, you know, love hates of each one of those segments. If we can kind of bundle them up as one of our, you know, favorites of each or one of them, you know, uh, on the opposite, opposite side of just, what do, what do we hate this off season too? What do we not like from a, fantasy perspective and i think that's kind of a good way to look at it and then maybe you know what that can do for you listeners is kind of just give you an idea of like hey do you want to make a big move for one of your guys or hey if you have one of these people um you know do you are, are you more satisfied now or or now are you like in the hot seat if we say a guy you know that that we don't like in a position or not so i think this will be a pretty valuable episode just kind of Reviewing the offseason, now we have the bulk of the moves. I, I know there's still going to be a couple signings going on. There might be a surprising trade here coming up, but um, I think the majority of these moves in the offseason has happened, and it kind of puts us in a good position to kind of get a good um, uh, recap. What do, you, what do you think, Kamish? Yeah, definitely. We, we kind of we constructed a really creative way to, to talk about some of the winners and losers or you know, a love-hate list, if you will. Uh, just kind of to kind of see where we're at now that the, the, the dust has settled with the, the major free agent moves and the, the draft down in the rear view mirror. So this is the time where we can we're, we're, we're still not quite at training camp yet. We've got a couple months to go before we get there, but 
we're at a spot now where we can really start to kind of formulate rankings and, you know, just kind of figure out where, where the landscape of the league looks like after some of the big, big milestones that have been checked off the calendar so far. So, um, you know, before we move into that, I kind of want to ask you a question, you know, you being, you know, around the Boston area and, you know, Clint, you know, you're a Patriots fan. Um, I, I do know you're also a Celtics fan and we, we are in the NBA playoffs right now. I wanted to, you know, kind of get your thoughts over, hey, what do you think of the Celtics run, you know, making it through, um, you know, that the, that first round there. And then now they, they got the series tied with the Bucks. you know, the re- returning turning champs, right? So how, how do you feel the, the Celtics stack up this year in the playoffs? Yeah, the Celtics are, are in an interesting spot, really. Uh, they, I'm a lifelong New England sports fan. I, I live, eat, and breathe, and sleep. You know, Celtics, Patriots, Bruins, and Red Sox. Um, Celtics are, you know, they, this, this turnaround for them has kind of been a long time in the making. You know, they, they hit the reset button on the, on the KG and, and Paul Pierce era 10 years ago now. It was 20, 2013, so coming up on 10 years that this group has kind of been forming and coming together. You know, your Jason Tatum, Jalen Browns, Marcus Smart, um, with some veterans like Al Horford mixed in there. You know, they're, they're coming. I feel like I really feel like they're coming into their own as a group. And they have that really strong mix of quality young players who are leading the team, and then those veteran guys who were who are stepping up in big ways. And if you had told me five months ago that they were going to go on a run like this, I I probably would have told you you were crazy because I think they were right on the on the cut line for the playoffs when the new year rolled around. So to have to see them going toe to toe with the champs here in round two after they just beat down, beat down uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets in round one in a sweep that no one really saw coming, um, that was fun. And to see him go going toe to toe with Giannis and the Bucks is has been really fun to watch. These games are really uh, these games are really nerve wracking because as good as the Celtics are, they they do kind of let their opponents hang around. Um, they've just been finding ways to to close out some of these games late for the most part, and it's been it's been a really fun ride to watch and be a part of. And it's good to look forward to to, to something to watch at night during the NFL offseason. You know, football will always be king for me, but the deeper I can get my my spring spring sports teams to to make those runs this time of year, the more fun it is for me as a as just a, cra- a crazed Boston sports fan. I agree. I agree. And, you know, I think me, you know, come from, you know, I think we we talked about this, that I, I don't really, I don't claim an NBA team anymore. You know, I kind of drifted apart from the NBA a little bit. And I think, you know, I think a little bit was due to just complacency and, you know, come, some of the stuff we saw in the league where, you know, kind of just, you know, I kind of went along with, you know, the talk of the NBA, you know, building the super teams and, I kind of got tired of watching some of that too, where, you know, I think the Celtics is a good story to kind of bring a little bit of basketball back to say, Hey, you know, you play a good team basketball, the, you can be a championship team, which, you know, that that's exciting to me. You know, I think the direction NBA was going where, you know, you just have the best superstar, you know, winning the championship every year. That's not as fun to watch. So, um, you know, for me, what's exciting, not having a favorite team is just seeing, you know, the Celtics bring back the spirit of basketball. For, uh, I think it's pretty cool. And, you know, looking in that that lineage they have in the league, um, you know, definitely, definitely makes it exciting. And it def- definitely like, you know, makes your ears perk up and, you know, want to tune into some of the games just to catch it. And like I said, just in the spirit of basketball, kind of bringing it back. So, um, you know, from my you know point of view, I, I, I like that that part of it. Yeah, definitely. And there it's, it's really, it's been a really fun ride to follow them so far. And it's, I'm still, I'm still not hundred percent convinced they're getting by the bucks in this, in this series, honestly, they did rip the home court back from them the other night, which was, which was good to see. 
Uh, so they have, you know, they're, they're two, two right now and they're coming back to Boston for game five with two of the next three games on their home floor if necessary. So really, really uh, fingers crossed that they can make a run. And like you said, the, the, the league's kind of wide open right now, which just makes it so much fun to follow as, as a sports fan in general, even if you're not a big Celtics fan, but uh, maybe if you're liking them as much as you are right now, maybe we can get you on, we can get you on the green team going forward. All right. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that I, I don't have any problem room for him. You know, so I think I think I, I would like to see that run. So I'll, I'll root for it for them in this uh, this series against the Bucks, and we'll see what happens. Definitely don't want to jinx anything, but I, uh, but I did want to bring it up because I think it's worthy to kind of, you know, bring them up specifically. You know, you got some other teams. You kind of got the Suns similar over there in the West, but, uh, you know, they're kind of a well put together team overall. Um, but yeah, should be interesting. I, I guess we'll keep tabs on it. You know, this being, you know, primarily football, but. Um, definitely got to get you, you guys' uh, perspectives there in, in, you know, as Bostonians. Um, you know, hey, that was our, that's our basketball talk, right? So that, that's, about, <laughs> that's about as far as we go there. And I did mention we got a pretty fun um, agenda moving forward, um, you know, talking dynasty, talking offseason. So um, I think we want to talk free agency first. So, you know, that was kind of like the big, you know, the big thing leading into the offseason is like who was going to go where. Right. Um, you know, there was a lot of speculation, a lot of things that happened in the offseason, a lot of big signings, a lot of, you know, a couple surprising or, you know, um, eyebrow rising um, moves this offseason. But, hey, let's start with free agency um, over what is, you know, if you're if you were to consolidate over one of your. You know, it's Sunday Surefire. We we like saying, hey, this is your surefire pick. If you're gonna say, hey, this is a free agent move that I love this offseason, where if you're gonna um, you know, you're betting on this guy to succeed in the um, you know, 2022 season. Let's start with that. So um, Kamish, if you want to you, you can kick it off here. I'll let you go first. Where um let's let's hear what is your offseason free agent love. Sure, I'll kick it off here. And I, uh, I did take this from um, I, I kind of took this as, as kind of an open exercise where I could kind of mold this any way that I really wanted to. But, you know, this uh, this first guy here wasn't actually he didn't actually change teams himself during free agency. Uh, he's actually staying put on the same team he was on last season. But there's a pretty cre- uh, critical free agency move that his team made by letting one another another receiver go uh, from you know that had kind of been on that team for a, l- a little while. And that's really opening up an opportunity for my first love on this list. And that's Darnell Mooney. And what I really like about it, obviously, Allen Robinson is now with uh, over in, in L.A. with the Rams. And when I think of Darnell Mooney, what I really think of is I don't know if you've ever seen that that picture of, of Will Smith from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air where he walks into the living room and he's standing there all alone with no one else around him. That's, yeah, yeah. Seen that's it. what I think of when I see Darnell Moody showing up, showing up to work every day, walking into the Bears wide receiver room. You know, he's kind of the only game in town at, at that position. And they're, they're going through a coaching change, and which has to be a good thing because Matt Nagy, by the, the end of his tenure there at the Bears, it was just hard. It was hard to watch Bears football for any any length of time. It was you know, even if you're watching on Red Zone, you're like, get this off my TV. Like, put put the Jaguars on, put the Lions on. I just can't. I can't watch this anymore. It was that ugly. So there's an entire new regime there in Chicago taking over. He gets to work with offensive coordinator Luke Getze, who's coming over from Green Bay, where he was the quarterback's coach and the passing game coordinator there in the past. 
which should bode well for a guy like Mooney profiled as our top wide receiver. And we've talked about this a little bit in the past. We want, do you want to target pass catchers on teams that don't have a quality defense? Last season, the Bears were 24, 21st in the league in points allowed, which, which is good for the bottom third there in the, in the NFL. And they're revamping it. They did, they did spend some decent draft capital on defense, but you know, young players sometimes can take, take, take some time to develop which I foresee happening here. So I don't think the Bears defense is going to be is going to be too great going forward, especially after losing a, a player like Khalil Mack um, as, the, as the core of their defense. They they did address the position in the draft. They grabbed uh, Velas Jones in the third round of the draft, but everything I, I read up on him says he's more of just kind of a pure athlete than, than a wide receiver, which for his stock individually makes me nervous. I just kind of feel like guys like that can get pigeonholed into special teams way too easily. And the rest of the depth chart outside of Jones consists of Equimania St. Brown, Byron Pringle, David Moore, Isaiah Coulter, and something named Chris Finke. <laughs> so not exactly murderer's row there at the wide receiver room. Very much all Darnell Mooney all the time. I think that's what we're going to be looking at. The only other pass catcher he really has to, to contend with that's considered somewhat reliable is a guy like Cole Komet, who I'm really high on at the tight end position. I, I guess you could even toss his name in here too. For uh, on, on the love list. I think he's going to take another step next year after a quality year too. And the, the only real um, thing that I, I worry about with Mooney is that, is that he might not, not be a guy who's equipped for the alpha wide receiver role where he, you know, if, if he get, he draws a tough matchup with a, a really a top corner, he might get shut down, but those are, those matchups are kind of easy to see coming and predictable. So anytime you predict that you're going to be a neutral game script or they're going to fall behind against the, a better team, but maybe a team that doesn't have a, a, a true lockdown guy, he's going to eat in garbage time. And he finished uh, WR23 last year in PPR formats with over just over 1,000 yards, and that was with Allen Robinson on the depth chart. So that was a lot of volume there on, on Darnell Moody, but I think all the signs are pointing to him having a successful 2022 season from a fantasy perspective. Okay. Okay. You know, I, I like what you did there, right? So, like, you know, free agency and, you know, some of these teams, it's not always who you sign, it's it's who you didn't, right? So, like, I think your point with, you know, the Bears not opting to, you know, go after the, you know, one of the the higher end wide, rec- wide receivers, you know, says something, right? You know, that how much confidence they, they have in Mooney and, you know, with, you know, I think you highlighted uh, with, you know, he was kind of their only, you know, <laughs> highlight, you know, with him being, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, right? Like he's kind of the only flashy guy out there last year that was kind of, you know, really, really relevant, you know, on that Bears team. So um, I do, I do like that. That's a good, good angle to take with this because um, yeah, like I said, it does show that he is going to be their, their number one still, um, at least, you know, as far as what we can see here. Um, however, you did already touch on the point where, yeah, if he draws up, um, you know, a couple unfavorable, um, you know, matchups, you definitely watch that out where, you know, he could possibly get locked up. He, he might not be used to, you know, the, the, you know, the number one, uh, deep, you know, corner on the opposite side. So, um, it'll be interesting when he has those type of matchups to see how he does, but definitely like where you're going with that. I like Mooney. He was a winner this off season, uh, expect and, and yeah, especially bringing up free agency. He was a winner in free agency, right? They, they felt that they didn't need to bring in another, you know, big name wide receiver, you know, with them. So, um, I agree, uh, definitely a winner. If you have Mooney, um, you know, probably a lot of volume, you know, the bears aren't the, you know, the, the talk of the town right now. So, um, you know, game script wise, you know, they're, they're 
probably going to be getting him involved quite a bit. So um, I like your overall stance with it. Mooney's a guy I like. You know, I've tried a different place for him. The, the, the thing is, what, what is the perfect, um, you know, what's the perfect trade to get Mooney is, you know, what I've been trying to play with, right? So I don't, you know, you don't want to spend too much at the same time, but um, I definitely like his position. Um, but yeah, mo- moving on for me, you know, my free agency love, um, this one's kind of, you know, it's kind of an obvious one, but, you know, you kind of think of some of the, you know, some of the other signings of, you know, uh, big name signings or, you know, changing teams. But for me, I kind of went the same route with a, a guy who's returning on the same team this year. And uh, that's Leonard Fournette, right? So I think we, we mentioned, you know, we love that re-signing, you know, when it happened. Leonard Fournette, you know, he's, he, he signed a three-year deal again with the Bucks. Rojo's gone, right, this upcoming season. Brady's doing a run-it-back tour, right? Um, I really don't think there's a ceiling for Leonard Fournette this year. I mean, I, I honestly think, you know, if I, if I, I think he's got top three running back uh, potential this year uh, again. So I really like, um, you know, I, <laughs> I like Fournette. Uh, quite a bit, you know, because he he can he's shown he can catch the ball. Brady has a lot of trust in him. You know, Brady's always he can always hear Brady pre-snap saying Lenny, Lenny. You know, he's always talking to him, getting him involved, and, and and stuff like that. So I think Fournette was a huge winner. I think he's super safe to have him in fantasy again. What you know, once again. So um, I like Leonard Fournette. He was my um, uh, love in free agency. Yeah, Lenny is definitely profiling to have a, another really good season this year. He's a guy who, if you stuck with him until last season, he really paid you dividends for the majority of the season. The only thing that's really standing in his way, I think, is, is potential is his health. You know, he's been in the league. This will be his sixth season in the league. He's missed uh, some some time in each of the last couple of seasons. I actually don't even think he's ever played an, an entire season in his career. So you do wonder maybe if some of that, um, the workload catches up to him as he's walking into his age 27 season. That's really the only the only negative I can really point out to Leonard Fournette at, at this moment in time. They did they did bring in Rashad White in the draft, who kind of profiles somewhat similar to, to Leonard Fournette, at least in the way of being a dual threat. Like Leonard Fournette's a guy who sneakily can, he does catch a ton of passes, and Rashad White showed a propensity to do that in his senior season at Arizona State last year. But I think Rashad White's more of kind of like a bench stash a guy you want to grab in rookie drafts and maybe, you know, down the line takes over that role. But yeah, I, I like that call too. Like Leonard Fournette's got a guy who's going to be in a high scoring offense and he's kind of game script proof for the reason I mentioned, like he just, he, he's out there, he can catch those check down passes or if they get inside the five yard line, they need to hand it to someone to punch you in. He's certainly capable of doing that as well. So that's a good call out there on Leonard Fournette. If you're in a, if you're in a win now situation, I, I definitely someone, someone I want to roster on my team if I can get him for a good price. Um, and if I if I'm hanging on to him through a rebuild, he's a, he's another guy who profiles as a winner, and maybe I can ship him out to a contender and get some good value in return. There you go, there you go. Yeah, that that's what I was thinking too. But here's a fun one. So let's switch gears. Sticking with free agency, um, what is a free agency move that you hate this year? You know, from I guess it can be you know from whatever angle you you choose from. Um, but what what's an off season move that you hated in free agency on the, on the opposite side of that? Sure. I'll, 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 uh, I'll stick with the running back position while we're on it. And that's, that's Antonio Gibson for the Washington commanders and the free agency move directly that I didn't like is they, they re-signed J.D. McKissick to a, a really, really team friendly two-year deal. So 
you know, a lot, a lot of these contracts, you have to look at the specifics on it. And, you know, guys, they might sign a three, four-year deal, but really it's kind of dressed up as a one- or two-year deal. This one was really cheap for, for the Commanders, and I'm pretty confident McKissick is going to stick around for both of those seasons, which will also extend throughout the life of Antonio Gibson's contract, which isn't great. Um, Gibson, actually, you can kind of double dip on the negative with him between free agency and the draft. The Commanders also selected uh, Alabama running back Brian Robinson in the third round of the 2022 NFL draft which just kind of further muddies up the waters here. And Ron Rivera actually referenced his time with the Panthers where they, uh, they had D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart there as a one-two punch. And that did kind of work out well from fantasy purposes. Both guys did show a propensity to, to be successful for fantasy managers during one or two of those seasons. However, that group didn't necessarily have a clear-cut passing down back the way that the commanders have J.D. McKissick on their roster. And – I actually I, I did deep dive here into some of the the running back re- reception numbers, which is which is relevant to McKissick because that's, that's a primary attribute of his game. He had a combined 123 catches in the last two seasons, and that mark was actually good for third in the league among running backs, behind only Austin Eckler and Alvin Kamara. So, this is a guy where he's he is very much going to take that passing down work, whereas the guy Brian Robinson from Alabama is going to come in and instill a little bit of that first and second down work, and I do think Gibson's still going to get some run in this backfield, but he's kind of getting sapped from, from both ends. You know, he's, he's that, that candle is really being burned out on, on both ends. And it's, I just don't know how much meat it's going to look is, is going to leave on the bone for a guy like Gibson, considering I don't, I don't think anyone's going to, going to have Washington's offense finishing in the top half of the league this season. So we're talking about a full blown committee. And even if he's ahead of it, I just don't see them scoring a ton of points that keeps him, that gets him into the, RB1 territory where he's finished in the back end of in the last couple seasons. I think he's still on the radar as kind of a, a, a mid-range to maybe even early RB2 if things break well for him and he can get some of those touchdowns. But overall, I just hated everything the commanders did for, for Gibson this offseason. Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, I think I think you know personally, you know, uh, Captain Carmen and I, the the league that we're in, you know, we always brag that, you know, we we saw the potential in Gibson and then um, you know, I've always been a Gibson fan. And, you know, it's kind of it's almost like we're living in an alternative alternative universe with him, right? Like he was predominantly a wide receiver in in college, right? And then uh it's funny that he does mostly just you know, running downs now and you have McKissick as the receiving back, you know, and then you, 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 going into this off season, you're thinking, Hey, okay, now here's chance. He had a, his rookie year, you know, he's gonna, um, you know, he, he's kind of, kind of turn it up and, you know, you got, you got Ron Rivera that can kind of gro- groom him into being like a CMC 2.0. Right. And that looks like it's just not going to happen. Right. So um, I definitely get, you, you know, the frustration, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I was a, a Gibson owner as well. So I was kind of hoping that, um, but yeah, it's definitely frustrating having him where I think he's still going to get volume, but it does, it just does make you wonder where, like, are they going back two years ago when they, they were keeping like the three, you know, the, the primary back, the, you know, the goal line back, the third down back. It's like they going back to that strategy, you know, of two years ago where, you kind of just wanted to see him like rip it up as a, as a CMC, you know, do it all type of back. So um, I, I agree with you. Although I, I do think he can put up some good numbers, but a lot of frustrating games too, that can maybe lose your weeks uh, potentially, you know, if, if it plays out that exact same way, 
Um, but yeah, um, I'm not arguing with you with that pick. It's definitely not the move you, you wanted to see if you're a Gibson, uh, Gibson owner. And, you know, kind of for me here, and, and I guess you can slap me on the wrist if, if you want to here, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm actually picking two moves, but they're kind of similar, right? So I picked two situations. They're almost identical. Um, also going with the running back um, position as well here for me. And uh, I'm going with the re-signing of Melvin Gordon and the re-signing of Boston, Boston Scott, right? So I'm grouping that those two together because, like I said, it's kind of the same situation where, like, over in Denver, you're kind of hoping that this is going to be, um, you know, Javante Williams uh, coming out, out party, right? You know, you kind of had to, you know, deal with this rookie season, you know, sharing sharing carries. You didn't know which backer was going to get it at the goal line, stuff like that, right? So here again, you know, we talked to Melvin Gordon over, you know, he's still a value, you know, he's, he's a valuable back. Um, you know, I, I don't, I don't think I like that move, you know, if you're a, a Williams owner, um, you know, so I'm picking uh, the re-signing of Melvin Gordon. Um, you know, that's got to be frustrating to some Javante Williams owners. Um, and then over in, over in Philly with Boston Scott, you know, for a couple of reasons is, yeah, if you're a Miles Sanders owner, you know, we talked about how many opportunities, you know, he, he just had like a random, you know, very unlucky set of, you know, situations last year. We didn't get any touchdowns, as you mentioned, um, you know, the, the week we talked to running backs and, you know, he's a very talented running back to where, you know, it could possibly happen again, where, you know, even on the other side, they, they got Kenneth Gainwell, where, you know, I think before they re-signed Boston, Scotty's like, hey, this is going to be my year, my coming out, you know, coming out year as well. And then, you know, Boston Scott's pretty good too. So I think, you know, those two situations are very similar in the fact where it, you might have some frustrating games again, both of those guys um, in both Philly and Denver. So I chose two different situations, but to me, I'm kind of grouping it as, as the same thing. Okay. Yeah, I hear, I hear where you're coming from on that. I'm going to split the difference with you on this one, though. I, I, I agree with one of them, and I disagree with another one. So the first half, I like really like the first half of what you said on the Melvin Gordon re-signing in Denver. Um, you know, Javante Williams has kind of been the, the talk of the offseason of the running back position, uh, you know, prior to Gordon coming back there. You know, people are you – know, if you look at a lot of experts' rankings, people had him as high as RB2, well, you know, overall in, in their running back rankings, which to me was, was always a little bit crazy. Where you know the Denver, the new Denver regime had kind of talked about bringing someone in to, to work in, in conjunction in conjunction with Javante Williams. So like, he was never going to have this this massive workload that, that we see a guy like a Najee Harris or a Jonathan Taylor take on. So I think he was always a little bit overvalued in that sense. And bringing back a solid veteran running back like a Melvin Gordon is definitely going to put a little bit of a dent in Javante Williams' stock. I think he's still the back to own. In Denver, but a guy like Gordon doesn't doesn't sign with with a place like Denver if he's not coming back there for a certain role. So, I think it, it's a it's going to be closer to probably like a sixty forty or so split in favor of Javante Williams as opposed to the fifty fifty split that we saw in Denver a year ago. But the offense should be a little bit better. So I think that kind of a it's kind of a rising tide that I think can raise both of those boats. And I think they're still going to be both fantasy relevant going forward. The second point you made about Boston Scott impacting Miles Sanders is one I don't necessarily wholeheartedly agree with. I do, I do agree with this in the, with it in the sense that it's another body in that backfield, which isn't great, but we actually did a deep dive on Mel, on um, 
on, on Miles Sanders, and it's, which is available on our blog, sundaysurefire.com slash blog. Be sure to check that out. But, um, you know, he's, he's a guy, Miles Sanders is a guy who he was um, among running backs with at least 130 carries. He was tied for second in the league in yards per carry with five and a half. So I think it's pretty clear that he's the most talented back in this, in this backfield. And the Eagles were up there at the top of the league in terms of rushing touchdowns. And Sanders has had the misfortune of not getting any, any of them last season, which was kind of a crazy statistic when you think about how efficient he was, how many uh, rushing touchdowns the team scored. And for Sanders not to get any share of that, I think left the, left the sour taste in people's mouths. And he's actually one of my really big bounce backs for heading into the 22 season. So Boston Scott's kind of just a guy out there. He's nothing special. I think he's going to be a little bit of a thorn in Sanders' side. Same with Kenny Gainwell, like you mentioned. But overall, I'm actually pretty wheels up on Miles Sanders going into the season. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. I just think I think I wanted a little bit of a change in, in that running back room, just if it was one body, right? But the fact they brought back a guy that you know that they trust, that knows the offense, you know he's going to get reps again. It's not like he's a depth piece. Um, that's kind of what scares me a little bit, but I definitely agree with you over Miles Sanders' talent, and I think he's going to get a lot of use. But I'm just throwing out the fact that he may frustrate some owners at times, just for those exact same reasons. Because you got the three running backs returning, plus you got a running uh, running quarterback as well. So um, I, I'm with you. I really hope Miles Sanders does turn it around, but I just hated to see that re-signing of of Scott um, for that, that fact. Cause you know, for all the reasons you mentioned that, you know, I really hope he turns it around, but you, you, you really kind of hope and pray that, you know, the, just those odds doesn't just turn out in that way, you know, two years in a row for him. So we'll definitely see. Uh, I def- definitely just wanted to throw it out there that hopefully you don't see those frustrating goal line situations again, you know, with either one of those guys. But moving on, you know, moving on, talking trades now, it seems like, you know, any more than NFL, you know, we got a lot of, you know, back, you know, when I was a kid too, like you didn't really see that many NFL trades. And now it seems like you got trades all the time in the off season and it does make it, you know, a lot more fun. We talked to, you know, each, you know, week by week, I think for, you know, grouping them into, you know, ones we want to talk about, I think it's worth to, you know, bring some, bring, bring one of these guys back up again. Um, so let's switch gears over to trades that we loved this off season. And um, commission, if, if you want to kick it off again, you, you can uh, start with, you know, which trade you loved this off season first. Sure. Yeah. The first trade that I, I, I circled here that, that I liked was it actually took place during the NFL draft. And that was Hollywood Brown heading over to Arizona in exchange for a first round pick. And my winner here isn't, isn't Brown necessarily, but it's actually the guy who's going to be throwing them the football. And that's, that's Kyler Murray. And is really the totality of their offseason that, that I liked for, for the Cardinals offense uh, in terms of you know, acquiring Hollywood Brown. They draft Trey McBride, who was the kind of the clear-cut top tight end prospect on the board. They're able to retain veterans, A.J. Green and Zach Ertz. They still have Rondell Moore in the fold here coming back for a second season. And despite the, the, the news with Hopkins for the getting hit with the six-game suspension for, for PEDs, he is going to make a return to, this, to the lineup in the middle of the season. So it really is a crowded pass catching room for in terms of the wide receivers and the tight ends, which is not really good for their fantasy value, but it is good for the guy who's distributing the football out to those players. So I mentioned the, the Will Smith reference earlier uh, from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I think all the people that were at Darnell Moody's house left to go to Kyler Murray's house. 
And they're, <laughs> so those guys are, you know, they're, they're bumping at Kyler's house in terms of, of pass catchers for him to, to toss the rock to, which is going to make for a, a fun off, a fun season for, for the Cardinals coming up, at least when the offense is on the field. And the other, the other reason I, I liked it too, uh, I think Murray's going to be for a, a little bit of an increase in points this year. James Conner scored 18 touchdowns last season, which for any running back is, is a big mark, especially a guy like Connor who's dealt with injury concerns in the past. And I don't think that's something that's going to be replicated this season. He's due for some regression in, in that, in that area. And Kyler did score five touchdowns last year, but he also has a, a, a 11 touchdown rushing touchdown resume on his season from 2020. So I think he, we're going to see a little bit of an uptick of Kyler taking the ball into the end zone himself when they're inside the 10 yard line, maybe not quite the 11, 11 touchdowns we saw a couple of years ago, but I think he could easily end up around seven or eight, which would, um, you know, those six point rushing touchdowns are huge for, for your fantasy team. You know, kind of that fitting that the mold of that, that true Konami code code quarterback that we're looking for from Kyler. And I'm not really at all worried about the contract dispute. I know that's kind of been tossed out there that, you know, is he going to, is he going to leave? He doesn't get his big contract. Is he going to plug, go play baseball? And let me say this very clearly. There's no chance in hell that Kyler Murray is leaving the NFL and walking away from quarterback <laughs> money of any kind to go ride a Greyhound bus in the minor leagues rather than stick in the NFL and make the moolah that he's going to get from either the Cardinals or another NFL team in the near future here. No shot whatsoever. Am I pretty clear about that, Aaron? I think so. I think so. <laughs> you know, I got to agree with you too. I mean, I think, you know, the, it, it's fun for the offseason to have these topics like, you know, it's just like pop culture, right? You know, or, or TMZ and stuff like that, you know, for the NFL. But, um, you know, I, I think, you know, they, they're going to strike a deal. Um, I think, I think, you know, in this day and age, they just try different tactics to say, Hey, you know, don't forget about me. This is my, my year for, um, you know, to get, get, to get mine. Right. Uh, he's certainly proved it. Um, you know, you can't blame a playoff loss and, you know, you can't take that out on him or like not giving him a contract. Right. So he's still one of the top performing QBs. Um, so I agree with you there. I definitely agree with you. And then as far as the trade perspective goes with Hollywood Brown, you know, I think it's, I I think it came like, as far as timing goes, it was perfect. You know, I mentioned it in in the, you know, a few episodes ago, or I don't remember at this point if it was last week or not, but, um, you know, I, I think that. Hollywood trade was perfect timing, you know, since considering, you know, they are going to lose Hopkins for, for six weeks. Um, you know, cause they, what they, they, he threw passes to him in college. Right. And I think they were pretty successful at that. So, uh, you know, reunite, reuniting those two, I think is a good move. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, it's not like they're going to lose any steam when you get one of the top, wide receivers back in the league with, with Hopkins after, you know, in, in, in week seven too. So, um, altogether, a lot of win-wins, win-win-wins. And, and for, for Kyler Murray, as you said, so I like that angle, um, that you took there with that, you know, kind of looking with Murray's really the big winner with that, where he kind of, you know, um, uh, if, <laughs> if that news would have been, uh, other way around where you, you heard that, Hopkins, you know, was going to be suspended and then they, you know, and then the Hollywood Brown um, trade, you, you probably would have wrote a different set of emotions and maybe some people would have made a lot of erratic um, trades out there, you know, if, if you saw that, you know, Murray lost his number one target. So definitely a satisfying trade, you know, if you're a Murray owner to see Hollywood over there. So definitely agreeing with you there. Good, uh, good call commission, man. Uh, I think there's, there's a reason why we brought you on for for a reason, I, I guess I'd say. And uh, yeah, Kyler is 
you know, I, I, like I said, it's kind of a rising tide situation where it's going to, you know, all the pieces around him are just getting so much better in terms of his skill players. And it's just going to be, I, I, I think he's, like, he's a guy who has a real shot to be QB one overall in your fantasy leagues this year. All right. All right. I definitely like hearing that, you know, I'm a, I'm a Murray owner. So, uh, you know, th- thanks commission there. Uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, you know, I'm going to bring in, bringing it back a little bit before that. Um, I really love the Mari Cooper trade, right? I, I love Amari going to, uh, to the Browns, right. To, you know, catch passes from Watson. Um, I think Amari's always had it in him to be that true alpha wide receiver. And then I know for me, you know, I'm mentioning different, different episodes of different strategy talks that for me, when I build teams, I really like my wide receivers to be the true target, you know, the true alpha of the team. Um, and I, I, you know, comparing, you know, even though, you know, the volume over there in Dallas that, you know, Dak was bringing in the passing game with him and Lamb and, you know, that high, high volume offense that I still like taking the route of just having the number one target on the team. I think, I think him over at the Browns is, um, you know, a, a good situation if you're an owner, owner of Cooper, where probably if you were an owner of him before um, with the Cowboys, you may have either traded him or, wanted to trade him just because of the upcoming of uh CD lamb. Right. So I think there's a little bit of ease, um, you know, that got taken off of Cooper. If, you know, if you own him where you, you know, he, he might be in that Stefan Diggs category of, you know, he's, he's, you know, you're comfortable with him, right? Like there's no reason to really trade Diggs, And I think he's in that same uh, boat now where there's not really huge reason now to trade um, Cooper where before when he was with Dallas, I think he, you know, was, at least for me, you know, if I had him, I I'd be thinking about training him all the time just because I didn't want to play, you know, guess who's going to get the touchdown this game or, or going to get the ball on third down. So um, I think Amari Cooper was a big, um, you know, I think that was a, you know, a favorable trade in the off season. If you're an owner of uh, Amari. Yeah. I like the Cooper, the Cooper trade to, to Cleveland. They really didn't give up much of anything to get him, And the reason, the big reason why I like him is, is the one you mentioned that that he's going to be catching passes from Deshaun Watson. Um, it, you know, if he had been transported over to Cleveland to to catch passes from Baker Mayfield, uh, he probably would have made the uh, the hate list for me. But you know, Watson is, is obviously a massive upgrade to a guy like Baker, and he's kind of the only game in town as well in that situation. They got a, they got guys like Anthony Schwartz and Donovan Peoples Jones, and uh, a rookie David Bell who wasn't my favorite guy in our, in our, in our scouting episodes, if you remember from, from an athletic st- testing standpoint. So I think this is very much going to be Cooper as the alpha receiver. I think they're going to change their offensive velocity a little bit to be not quite as run heavy. And that's going to open up some more looks for, for a guy like Amari Cooper to, to really, to really feast this season. So I like that call out and uh, I'm happy to have the shares of Cooper where I do. All right. All right. So here's the fun talk. So let's switch it over to hates, right? Everybody, everybody uh, loves a little dissing, right? So um, what do you think over uh, a trade you hated um, this offseason? Yeah, this one, it's you know, my, my trade loser here. It's, it's, it's a little bit tough to call him a loser because he signed for four years and $120 million, 72 of which were 72 million of which were guaranteed. So Tough to call the guy a loser on that standpoint, but I'm going with Tyree Kill, Aaron, the a former chief. And the the trade or him being parachuted from Andy Marie, Andy Reid, and Patrick Mahomes to Mike McDaniel and Tua Tagovailoa couldn't be more different situations. You know, he was in 
the best fantasy situation for a wide receiver of his skill set to be in. And now he's with a first-time head coach who wants to pound the rock and a quarterback who are not sure can throw the ball 20 yards down the field. So you know, he's a guy who's he's still going to be in the mix. He's still going to get his targets. Obviously, with, with that big contract comes is going to come a, a somewhat heavy involvement in, in that offense. But I'm not buying into all this talk that Tyree Kill is going to be San Fran's version of Debo Samuel. You know, Debo Samuel is six feet, 215 pounds, and the guy he still gets hurt when he takes all these handoffs. Tyree Kill's 5'10", 185. If they try to use Tyree Kill in the same manner that the 49ers and Mike McDaniel used Debo Samuel a year ago, Tyree Kill is going to be on IR by week five, and you can take that to the bank. Okay, Between Hill, Waddle, Gusecki, there's a lot of mouths to feed in Miami. And I I, I haven't ever actually ever asked you what your, your thoughts on Tua were, but he's not, he's not a guy that I see supporting two top 15 wide receivers and a mid-range tight end one for fantasy purposes. I just, I just don't think that he has it in him. And if you do think so, he has to. Tua has to be a QB one for you. And, I, and I, if I asked you to name your top twelve fantasy quarterbacks heading into the upcoming season, I'm, I'm pretty confident Tua wouldn't crack the top twelve. And the other thing too to, to weigh in with Hill is it's, you have to factor in value when you're talking about the dynasty league. And this guy, he has to come in and hit the ground running for him to maintain, or, or at least get back some of that high end value that he had. It's his age twenty eight season. And this is a guy whose game is predominantly based on speed. You know, he doesn't have a ton of other great attributes. He's not a guy who goes up in high points to football with any consistency. He doesn't block anyone on the field. You know, he's, he's a guy that Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes were able to scheme up and get him into space and really maximize his skill set. And I think the, the, that the, the Dolphins can do some of that. But I think we're going to see Tyreek Hill produce closer to the ilk of someone like a Brandon Cooks, where he gets his... 75 or so receptions for 1,100 yards and six touchdowns, which don't get me wrong, is not terrible. You know, that guys like Brandon Cooks are, are very, are very fantasy viable, but the cost it's going to take to acquire Tyreek Hill, whether it be in a redraft league, if you're spending a second round pick on him, I'm, I'm not comfortable with that. If you're investing multiple for multiple first round picks in a dynasty league for a guy like Tyreek Hill, I'm not comfortable with that either. You know, the guys, he's still going to have good games, but the reality is that his massive season long ceiling or are talking about a guy who can finish in the top five of that position. I think that's out the window right now. And, you know, you got to be very cognizant of value in dynasty leagues. And this is a guy that I'm staying away from in dynasty. Okay. Okay. So it's funny you went that route. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of going back and forth over a couple points here, but um, you know, when I talked about a, the trade right after it happened, I kind of had um, a different viewpoint for the fact of, um, do I think he's going to be this game wrecking fantasy wide receiver, you know, top three, top, you know, maybe top two numbers to put out? No, I do not. Right. Where, um, however, though, the one thing I liked about the move over in Miami with, with, with Tua is he might get more consistent, you know, PPR where, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, you know, uh, a stat watcher, you know, if you're trying to select your lineup, you're kind of seeing like what you're, you know, pre lineup points per game is going to be, you know, uh, a lot of times he was like in the 19 to 20 points per game and he, even in half point PPR leagues. Right. So I think that's definitely going to drop to, you know, maybe like 15, 16, 17. But the one cool thing about it is I do think he's going to have a little bit more consistent numbers. You did see like a, a little bit of a boomer bust factor over in, in KC just because, you know, Andy Reid can, and, and Mahomes and them can kind of spread it around to either Kelsey or, you know, anybody can be the hero type of thing. Um, you know, whereas Miami is going to be the, uh, definitely the focal point. Uh, so 
I think there's some trade-offs. Uh, I think you're going to be, you know, disappointed with, with Hill not having those crazy 180, 200-yard games, you know, with two to three touchdowns. But as you said, he might get a lot of 70, 80-yard games with maybe a touchdown more, um, you know, consistently, right? So um, that's the difference I see where, yeah, maybe he's not top three. I do think he's still in top 10 wide receiver range, but he's going to get his points in a different way, more in a a consistent volume that kind of levels out a little bit, um, you know, that doesn't have as high peaks. But that's just my guess. I could be completely wrong, my viewpoint with it. the funny thing is, is I'm actually going to talk about the exact same trade for my hate as well. Right. Ooh, so, yeah. So I'm going to double down too. I'm going to talk to Tyreek Hill trade for my hate as well. But, um, you know, I'm going in with, with a little bit di- uh, different angle with uh, Jalen Waddle. Right. So I hated in the, you know, for the fact of Jalen Waddle, where, you know, coming into the offseason, you're like, hey, he's going to be the man. You kind of saw like he was going to get a million targets. Um, you know, this upcoming season, he was kind of the main, you know, the main guy over there. And, and you kind of, you, you were kind of okay with, with Miami, um, you know, having Devonte Parker over there. Cause he did, you know, match up against kind of the taller, bigger, um, corners over there to kind of take a little bit of relief off of, uh, Waddle last year. You kind of saw that when he played against the saints, you know, um, Lattimore actually lined up against, uh, Parker. Right. So he got kind of got some, you know, more favorable lineups at times where, you know, now, yeah, you got this, this focus of Tyreek Hill, um, you know, that part, you know, may, you know, kind of talking back with that offense, you know, um, Miami last year, they, they averaged 36 passing attempts per game. You know, you asked me what I thought, what I thought about Tua. You know, the only thing I liked about him last year is like he threw the ball a lot, right? Like they were just a pass happy offense. They didn't really trust the run. They couldn't run either, right? So now the only thing I don't like over it as well is you're, you're going to bring that volume down, right? With the McDaniels, uh, McDaniel ran offense. Uh, you know, they, he's already kind of hinting that because how many uh, running backs do they got in that, that backfield now? Um, you know, I, I, I think I've lost lost track right so he's already trying to mimic that 49ers run style offense um over there and i think you're going to see some volume drops with um, waddle where he liked all you know he benefited he benefited from a lot of those short um short routes and you know got a lot of receptions and and kind of tournament turned them into bigger plays where you know that could be more of the tire kill thing right so you don't really know what you're going to get you're at one point, you're probably really looking forward to Waddle season. And now here comes Tyra Kill. You don't really know what you're going to get out of Waddle, Hill, or the whole Miami offense now is kind of going to get turned upside down. So I'm agreeing with you. I'm kind of going with that exact same trade. It, it, you kind of hate it in a lot of aspects of, aspects of uh, the fantasy world. You heard it here first, folks. This podcast is out on the Miami wide receivers. <laughs> If you got a Miami wide receiver, you know, look out, watch out. However, I did say one positive thing where, um, you know, my take over the tire kills, I think he's going to at least give you more consistent numbers. Whereas before, if you truly needed just him to get you points some weeks, he did drop the ball some weeks. And then the next week when you won by 30, 40 points because he put up 50 points you know yeah that's great for winning that week but you could have used them in a you know in a in in an off week 
you know, at, at a closer head to head matchup. So that's kind of my viewpoint there, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, that's just what I'm thinking, but could be wrong. It is, it is fun hype season to talk a lot of this, this off season stuff. So, Hey, let's move on to what we just, um, you know, we just experienced with the NFL draft, a lot of, you know, a little bit of time to kind of sit and think about, you know, where these guys landed. Um, you know, I think, you know, we talked a little bit about landing spots and now we can kind of predict how we think they're going to do now. Right. We kind of have our first instincts over some of these rookies, what, what we think, you know, what kind of production they're going to put out. Um, let's talk with, uh, let's, let's do some love hate with, uh, some of these, uh, rookies, right? So, uh, commission, you want to kick us off again with, um, you know, a landing spot that you loved out of this rookie class. Yeah. So like I said, I, I kind of took this as, a, as an open exercise to take it in any direction that I really wanted to. So I actually went with a, uh, a, a veteran player and I took what a team didn't do in the draft as, as a big win for this guy. And that's Irv Smith for the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings selected eight players in last week's draft, but only one of them was, was a tight end. And that was a seventh round pick, uh, Nick Muse, who was the guy who profiles really more as a blocking tight end. So someone who's not going to take any run away from Herb Smith. Uh, he missed the entirety of last season with a torn meniscus and Tyler Conklin filled into that role. But uh, Conklin's actually found his way over to, to New York playing with the Jets now. So the tight ends by tight ends depth chart consists of Herb Smith at the top, along with Nick Muse, Ben Ellison, and something called Zach Davidson. So not exactly a, a deep row of, uh, of of tight ends there to work with for Herb to compete with, which is great. Uh, Adam Thielen is getting a little bit older as well. He's turning 32 this season, and he's missed 11 games in the last three campaigns. So a guy who's starting to deal with some injury problems later in his career, a high-usage player who just might be at the end of his rope pretty much here. And some of that target spillover could very easily – spill over to a guy like Irv Smith, who's really talented. And the offense is, is turning over itself as well. You know, under Mike Zimmer, they were one of the most run-heavy offenses in the league. And Kevin O'Connell is coming in from the Rams as the former quarterback coach and OC over there with Sean McVay. And so they they should be opening it, opening it up a little bit more. They have a really underrated, uh, at least from a fantasy standpoint, an underrated quarterback in Kirk Cousins to sling the rock around. And I think we can see a guy like Irv Smith – uh, be a guy who steps up, especially in the red zone, where he's able to take over, you know, in that area, lose, lose, uses his ability to win in the, in the short area there of the field. So, you know, he's a really, he's still young. He's just 24 years old. And I think he's had him with him heading into a contract season. He's a guy that I've, I've circled at, at, a, at a position that's pretty barren uh, on the, you know, at least for most teams anyway, like it's a spot that most teams struggle to fill out. So I think a guy like Irv Smith is a, is a nice little sleeper to, to keep your eye on heading into the season. Yeah, that's a good call. You know, I think there's a lot of Irv Smith owners um, out there that's probably, you know, either, you know, given up more that they like to admit for him, you know, that where, where they probably took a chance in last year's offseason, you know, before he got injured and, you know, he's out for the year. So you really, you know, you got probably got a lot of stock in him, you know, wanting him to have a good season, but to your point, you know, the chips are kind of lining up, you know, for him to be involved in that offense. Um, you know, they, they don't have Rudolph, they don't have Conklin. Right. So, um, I do, I, I do agree with you there. Right. So I think it's definitely a guy don't forget about, um, with Irv Smith and guy that I think a lot of us like out there, you know, he's definitely got the abilities shown flashes too to be, be a top tight end. So 
definitely a good uh good point there i once again i like like your angle you're taking a captain carmen sneaky uh sneaky player angle there um you know here here in this episode so um definitely like it um kind of going uh for me i'm kind of going uh high profile guys here um i'm gonna land with uh a guy that we've talked about with uh chris olave right so we kind of joked when we did this mock draft that you know uh, i think captain knew uh you know and i had i had that pick before my computer snatched up um a lave before i uh, i took cook right so um i think when we did our wide receiver episode i mentioned hey the lave can land in a surefire number two wide receiver spot i think he's gonna outperform right like i think the you know i think my my view you know pre-draft to said hey if he's got to step in and be that wide receiver one um, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see, right? So his counter, it's funny. It's kind of landed kind of in that discussion, kind of went to his counterpart may fall into that one territory where, um, you know, how risky, you know, do you want to, you want to get with Wilson, which, you know, we did talk about the two, we do like both of them, but, um, I did like the landing spot of being a wide receiver too, uh, for a couple of reasons. Right. So, um, you know, I think he can claim, you know, that, that wide position in, uh, New Orleans. Um, he's definitely in a spot to succeed. Right. So, um, you know, with, with Michael Thomas coming off of, you know, pretty much two irrelevant seasons, either being, you know, pretty much being hurt and, uh, you know, trying to make a comeback again. Um, you know, that's a great spot to be in as that number two. Cause you know, we talk, when we talk matchups, um, you know, you can't forget about Michael Thomas. It's not like the best cornerbacks going to be on a lobby. Right. So I like it in that respect, uh, that division's got to score a lot of is going to score a lot of points in general. Right. So, um, I really like where he's sitting. Um, and then to the other point of the Michael Thomas conversation is, is he's now, you know, he's two years, two years older, right. You know, he's, he's, what is he 29? I want to say, or this is his 29th season or yeah, aging. So you're talking from a dynasty. We're, we're talking dynasty here. Right. So like he starts as a number two and like a lot of the great wide receivers in, in the history of the NFL, you know, they start right there in a good position to succeed as the number two. And then they take over that one spot, right? Like, so I think he's in prime position to do that, but then not, you know, he, he's in a, a position where he's going to overperform where, where, uh, you know, potentially he could be falling in some of these, these drafts out there. So I went with Olave uh, with my love. Yeah, it's a good call. And the, I don't think you mentioned this either, but Jameis Winston is a guy that we've seen be uh, a, a quarterback who's very capable of producing fantasy-relevant wide receivers. And I think there's a, there's a real shot that by the middle of the season that Olave's taken over the, the clear-cut number one receiving role from from a guy like Michael Thomas who you know doesn't have Drew Brees to throw him the ball anymore. And you know, it's, it's a, he's a big question mark with his health or, and conditioning where he's at, at at this stage of his career. So, yeah, I like that call a lot. A lot of he's a guy to target in the middle of the first round of rookie drafts, and he's a guy I think you can pay dividends almost immediately for fantasy owners. All right, all right. So let's move on to some of these hates, right? So I, I hated pick. Um, you know, this is a lot of, you know, a lot of talk. We had so much preseason hype, you know, or pre-draft hype where you want the guys to fall or you wish they fall, right? And then after, you know, after that selection, it's like completely different direction, you know, whether it's the player, maybe it screwed up one of your veteran players, right? So kind of the same concept we're talking about. Um, but let's switch gears again over to something you hated during, you know, with the, with the draft. Um, what do you think there, Kamish? 
Yeah, Captain Carmen's not going to like this one because this is a player that I know your rosters and you said some pretty good things about in the past. But uh, a big loser as a result of the draft was Michael Carter, and, and just has to be. You know, Brees Hall, the number one RB prospect on the board, uh, heads over to the Jets in the early part of the second round of the draft, and it really relegates Carter to to a backup role quickly. You know, dynasty managers earlier in the offseason were really were kind of delusional on, on Michael Carter. A lot of them wanted a first round pick to even entertain a discussion for to acquire Michael Carter. And, you know, those you know, he was a guy I kicked the tires on with a few people and just quickly moved on based on the asking price. You know, he's um, he's a guy who he, he had some run last year. He did some OK things here and there. But when you kind of look at the balance of his season, he received eight plus carries in 12 games last season and averaged over four yards a carry only three times. And you might think, oh, well, it's the Jets. What do you, what, you know, what do you expect? But sneakily, the Jets had one of the better offensive lines in the league last year. PFF had them ranked 11th in the league last season. So they actually did have a, a capable line that he was running in front of. But, you know, he, he's a guy who he had a couple of nice weeks. Um, but overall, just not a guy I was really that excited about at any point. And the Brees Hall draft pick really kind of saps that value from him as well. You know, going back to his, his season last year, he had 17 of his 36 receptions in a two-game span, and only one other game that he had more than two catches in a game. So he showed a little bit, I, I, you could say, in the receiving department. Um, I do think he's still going to be in the mix, along with uh, veteran Tevin Coleman, who resigned there on a really cheap one-year contract. But I don't even think he necessarily has a, a clear-cut stranglehold on the number two job. That's kind of going to be like a hot-hand approach who's playing well behind Brees Hall to, to get some of that work. And, you know, he's a guy I'm, I'm not done with completely. You know, he's still a young player. He's going to be in New York for the foreseeable future. I uh, would really want him as, as a handcuff if I own Brees Hall, you know, in case he were to go down. You now he would regain a lot of the value that he had earlier in the offseason in, in the event that Hall were to go get injured. But, you know, the Jets invested that early second round pick on him and they appear to be an ascending offense. Um, but I, I really think that draft pick is going to do, you know, nothing but bad things for Michael Carter's draft stock this season and in future seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the famous words of uh, Captain Karma would say is that, uh, you know, you, you're tugging with my heartstrings with that one, right? So, uh, as you know, we do have Michael Carter um, in our league we share where, um, you know, we were excited and actually you mentioned first rounds, right? Uh, we got offered, you know, first round picks for Michael Carter that we said no to as well. So um, definitely, uh, definitely kicking ourselves for that. And, you know, you couldn't you really hoped he was going to be the number one this year. And then, yeah, when Bryce got drafted, you're like, oh, definitely. You know, it, it's kind of a, a, a starting lineup spot that you're kind of hoping, you know, you could kind of, you know, if you if you do have the first pick, which, you know, I, I'm, I'm able to say I do. And I have Carter, which, you know, you didn't mention. It's great to have the handcuff now. You know, I joked in our league, you know, it's great, it's great that I got Carter's handcuff, but I don't think that's going to happen, uh -huh. right? So, um, yeah, definitely didn't like to see that, but I mean, I, I, I guess I can, I can live with having both of them, you know, as far as injuries go and, and stuff like that. But, um, you didn't like to see that for sure. So I, I agree with you there. I can, uh, I can definitely speak firsthand on that one. So I'm, I'm definitely not going to argue with you there. Um, for me, I'm going going to go back to the wide receiver position. This is a guy that I think a lot of people talked about a lot in the, you know, in the 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 pre-draft and, you know, everybody's kind of curious, you know, how high he'd go, you know, he could have been a first round selection, stuff like that, you know, um but that 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 got changed around a, l a little bit when we when we saw the draft and that's uh 
that's George Pickens, right? So he's a guy that I was willing to maybe take a stab at um, a lot earlier than um, maybe some projections went, you know, depending on what team he landed on. And he's a guy that I, I kind of hated that day landing landing spot in Pittsburgh where it probably works for that, you know, that team, that offense, you know, the city, you know, the whole scheme with Pittsburgh where they've, they've had Juju, they've had Claypool, they've had Johnson, right? So he kind of fits right back in to the scheme as far as, um, you know, real life football goes. But yeah, for a fantasy owner, you, you kind of didn't want to see that. I don't like that landing spot myself. You know, going, you know, competing from either Trubisky or rookie quarterback throwing the ball over there. You know, when they got Najee, you know, and different things like that going on, going on with Pittsburgh. I do think he's got a bright future, but I really don't like that three headed monster uh, they have in Pittsburgh and those receivers where, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of still a lot of Claypool uh, truthers out there. And Deontay's kind of showing he is the number one over there, too. But um, I think battling for that wide receiver two and three spot may be a week to week, you know, battle between him and Claypool. Um, so I don't like that. Right. So like, like I, I didn't mention, I was, you know, if you went to somewhere like Houston or something like that, I, I think he would have been a first round pick now where I, I think going to Pittsburgh does drop him unless somebody else, you know, differs in their opinion or they want to take the chance on him. But um, I want George Pickens there where I think his, his mock draft ADP dropped just slightly, or maybe just retained exactly where you thought he was going to go. Yeah, I, I like that call as well. Pickens is a guy I he was kind of an, an enigma to me in the scouting process. You know, barely playing with Georgia last season, coming off an injury, and you, you hit on it. It's it's a crowded receiving room, and, and even beyond that as well. You have Pat Fryermuth still in the mix at tight end, and Najee Harris actually led running backs some receptions a year ago as well. So. There's a lot of mouths to feed. They're going to be breaking a rookie quarterback at some point, whether it's this season or next season. You know, and even if they do roll with a veteran and Mitch Trubisky, he's not exactly a guy I'm expecting to unlock. You know, a ton of fantasy viability from all these these pass catchers. So, I like the call overall. Not too much for me to to pile onto that. Uh, he's not a guy I'm, I'm going to be drafting in his ADP in rookie drafts. That's for sure. All right, all right. So we're going to switch gears. Uh, we're done with that off season talk. We're going to kind of share some personal stories here in the, in the world of uh, dynasty or fantasy uh, trade talk. Right. So we thought it'd be kind of fun to bring up our, you know, what we think is one of our best trades we pulled off in a league and in our worst, right. Kind of relive that, that trade. Um, I think that's kind of fun to do. Um, I'll, I'll actually kick this one off and uh, I, I pulled this one off. This is from my uh, championship season where the 2020 season that I, that I won. Um, a, a trade that I like that I pulled off. Uh, I'm just going to read the players first and I'm going to explain my thinking, how I got the trade to get, how I was able to pull this off. Um, and I think that's a fun, you know, that's a, always a fun thing to talk strategy is for part, far as timing goes, stuff like that. So he, here are these players, right? Um, so I received Lamar Jackson, Adrian Peterson and Chase Claypool. Okay, so I, I got those three guys. I got Lamar, Chase Claypool, and AP, the old vet. And I and I gave up uh, Cam Newton, Hoyer, Mo Ali Cox, David Montgomery, and then a 21, 22, and a 23 second out of the deal. Now, and remind you, this is in our Superflex League where quarterbacks are pretty valuable. Um, you know, kind of – 
I guess to finish out the the history with that is I did mention I did make a pretty fun run. I was like, I want to say I was in sixth place at the time. The key, you know, when I mentioned timing, the key to this trade, I think it's kind of funny is, you know, you being a Patriots fan, I pulled this off the 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 a couple of days right after Cam Newton had his his best game. Remember in the uh 2020 season when he um he played against Seattle, right? I think he threw over 300, close to 400 passing yards that game. And he, he had a, a crazy, crazy week where, um, you know, I think I, I I chose that game right when he was kind of trending to show, hey, Cam's kind of making a comeback. Even though they lost that game, uh, he put up a lot of points. He made it, you know, he had a great start to the season. Um, so I think using that momentum, you know, when we're talking, you know, we might talk this, you know, closer to midseason or, you know, as the season's like start or something is like hot players. I was able to get Lamar Jackson, the, you know, top five um, dynasty QB out of this um, kind of going on with that, that hype though. So that's probably the best, uh, best trade I've pulled off. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a really good one, especially, you know, the, the fact that you mentioned the Superflex format is, is absolutely huge. You know, the, the core, the quarterback values are just so much higher than they are. In your regular one QB leagues, and you know, and thanks for bringing up the uh, the Cam Newton 2020 season for the past Aaron. Really need uh, really <laughs> need to, to relive that, but yeah, that was definitely a good one. Uh, I have one here myself. This is one of the best trades I ever made. Uh, this is a 12 team one quarterback league, and this trade was executed in May of 2019. And in this deal, I gave up Jordan Howard, Bryce Love, and a 2020 second round pick in exchange for Derrick Henry in a 2021 third round pick. And I'll kind of pick through some of the, where those pieces ended up since then as well. And then I'll kind of recap it, you know, and kind of including what the draft picks became and all that. And obviously what the players involved did, um, you know, Jordan Howard, this is the side that I gave up Jordan Howard, his best finished since that trade was made was RB 44. <laughs> Bryce love obviously didn't pan out in the league at all. And the 2022 second that I gave up, or sorry, the 2020 second that I gave up became Zach Moss. So another another guy who's kind of a sitting in a committee in Buffalo, not really doing a whole lot for anyone's fantasy team. I don't think I need to go too deep into detail into what Derrick Henry has done since that point. Uh, um, you know, being the the RB two overall in 2019 and the RB three overall in 2020, before getting banged up in the middle of last season, and the 21 third. In that, and that I got in that trade ended up becoming Elijah Mitchell as well. So another, you know, got me a young running back that will, you know, hopefully be fantasy viable for years to come. So ultimately became, you know, Jordan Howard, Bryce Love, Zach Moss that I gave up in exchange for Derrick Henry and Elijah Mitchell. So obviously that, that that was a big win for for my fantasy teams and helped me score points for multiple seasons. Okay, okay, I you know, you know, we're talking hype and different things too. Like, you know, I think with Dynasty you talk timing. And even Derrick Henry is a fun one to talk about too, too, because even, you know, when he's been in the league or he was in the league, you know, a couple of years, even through 2019. And even, even now um, you got to remember that he did share a lot of, a lot of reps uh, with DeMarco Murray, you know, uh, first entering the league too. So, um, you know, when you compare him to guys like Ezekiel Elliott, that, you know, has been a day one starter since his draft day. Um, I think that does kind of skew owners heads a little bit when they look at share and you know when they look at ages that sometimes skews running backs values you know if if you know when you look at the start of their career and how much how many rushes they actually have on their resume too so uh there's definitely a smart play and definitely with you know Bryce Love you know it trained him where I know he had 
a lot of hype coming out of college. Um, sad story to that he didn't, you know, pan out there too. You know, super talented college guy. But yeah, that's definitely a good. That's a great one to bring up there too. They love that trade. Um, so flipping it over to the worst for me. Um, <laughs> this is a very recent one too, and, and it was kind of actually a result from the show, right? I think I hyped myself up too much for a guy like Tyler Huntley. Uh, <laughs> uh, I was really high on Tyler Huntley. I thought he proved, you know, himself enough to, uh, you know, land in, uh, land a spot over in like in, in Seattle or something like that for a team who needed a QB, needed somebody young looking at this QB class. that wasn't super talented. I thought a team was going to take a stab at him. So I also was taking a stab at him in, in fantasy, trying to get him low, which ended up being way too high at this point. Who knows? It can still pan out, but um, I gave up Alan Lazard, which is now Devontae Adams is gone. He's, you know, we've talked a little bit. Hey, yeah, he's not the superstar, but he's uh, he's one of the, you know, one of the stars over there in Green Bay still. So I gave up Lazard and I gave up Daniel Jones, right? So the same super flex league um, where, you know, it's, it's, it's worth having a, a, a starting QB on your team. And then for me, that was my my third quarterback. You know, when it comes to buys, I kind of gave up my, my bye week quarterback. For Tyler Huntley that is now backing up Lamar Jackson. So uh, I think I was too high, kind of, you know, went with my own hype train and I did not like that, uh, that trade. And actually not to mention, I had it pending for about a full day and the owner actually accepted it mid, like an hour after it was revealed that Huntley re-signed with the Ravens. So I couldn't retract it quick enough either too. So uh, very salty over that trade. Yeah, that's tough. And sometimes you're, like you said, your your own thought process and your own hype train in your head can get you into trouble. Uh, but you know, ultimately, at least, that's not that's not really a a backbreaker, you know, per, per se for from a dynasty perspective. Just one of those trades that you you kind of think about and just kind of shake your head at and, and maybe chuffle about it now that sometimes pass. But my my big loser trade here that, that that I made is you know this one this was a tough one and. This dates back to relatively early in my in my dynasty career. This was my first offseason as a dynasty manager. So coming off my first season playing dynasty, um, you know, sometimes you look back in life and, and you say, like, oh man, I, I was I was young and stupid back then, and that's why I did you know X, Y, and Z. And so that's what I'm shocking this one up to. So I wanted to get that disclaimer out there before I really dive into how, to, to how terrible this trade was for me. So this trade was 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 finished in um was completed in, in April of 2018. So taking it back, you know, a few years here, I gave up Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, and two 2020 first round picks in exchange for Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Parker, and the third the the 303 in the 2018 draft. So I'll set the scene there with it being four years ago. You know, Julio Jones was 29 years old at the tail end of his prime. Keenan Allen was 26 years old. In the, you know, in the middle of his prime, you know, granted, he was coming off a few seasons to start his career where he suffered with injuries. He, was, he really was you know, not considered the, the rock-solid producer that he, is, yeah, he has become later in his career the last four years or so. Um, so that, that was on the table in, in, in my defense there. But, however, this was the offseason where Le'Veon Bell <laughs> was walking into a big contract dispute with the Steelers. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, okay, this guy's a running back. Like, I know he's 26. 
but he's about to get, you know, this is his last chance to really earn a big contract. There's no way this guy's actually going to hold out for a whole year. Like that, that'd be crazy. And sure enough, you know, he doesn't play at all that season. <laughs> and, you know, he never, he never plays it down in Pittsburgh again. And he moves on to the Jets and, and then later to the Chiefs and doesn't do really much of anything on, on the fantasy landscape. So that, that was absolutely brutal. You know, the, the players involved are, are bad enough. But then when you extrapolate who is actually selected, in those draft positions, this just looks even worse. And, I, and the 2020 class, <laughs> one of the more hype classes in recent memory coming in. And there's been, they've had varying degrees of success, but the guys that were selected with the picks that I gave up are home run picks. The 102, <laughs> one of the picks ended up being the 102, and that was Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> and the one, the, the other pick I gave up was a later first round pick, it was 109 that turned into Justin Jefferson. So, <laughs> to, re- to rehash what I gave up in this trade, what I got, I got Le'Veon Bell, who was never <laughs> the same guy ever again. I got Devontae Parker, who I want to say finished, gave me like one, maybe like a back-end WR2 season or something like that, maybe. The draft pick that I got in the trade ended up being Sam Darnold, who was a bust. So I got Le'Veon Bell, <laughs> the shell of Le'Veon Bell, Devontae Parker, who was meh, and Sam Darnold, who was a bum. And I, and I gave up a prime Keenan Allen. Julio Jones at the end of his prime and the entire careers of Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson. In this <laughs> oh man. Yeah. You framed that up pretty good. Uh, I, I think you're the winner there. <laughs> I am hey, definitely the biggest loser when it comes to. Right. The well, yeah. Winner for the biggest. Game. Yeah. Yeah. Biggest loser. There you go. No, but honestly here, a couple thoughts there too. I, I think, you know, looking back that, that Le'Veon Bell off season, I think is kind of, you know, in offseason, all, all of us, um, you know, actually even just NFL fans in general could, could maybe hate Le'Veon for doing that because he could have been the the start of the, you know, the true running back by community or the, you know, like, hey, we don't need you type of mentality in the NFL to say, hey, you know what? Maybe all these owners got together and say, hey, you know what? Screw it. Screw him. Right. Like, let's not, you know, we don't care. We're not, we're not going to re-up them and, you know, we don't need you. Right. So um, we probably have, you know, they, if they make a, a Le'Veon Bell roll or, or something like that one day, it's probably from that off season. So um, no, but I mean, it just goes to show, I mean, you make, you make, you win some, you lose some, right. Hopefully you win more and you lose and, and you know, you kind of move on, but it's, it's how can you, bounce back after that so i know you know i know know you've made some strong moves since then but um yeah definitely fun to relive i love how you brought up like you did the research to see what those picks ended up being that's the that's the kicker with it too and he said it's jonathan taylor and justin jefferson i think that just like takes the cake with the whole thing yeah it was an exercise that i i did it because i knew we were going to talk about it in this episode and i didn't even realize honestly until i went back and looked at the actual picks i gave up where they ended up in that draft and what those guys ended up being. And, you know, until we did this exercise, I knew it was a bad trade, but I didn't realize exactly how bad it was. And, you know, this one, <laughs> like it's, it's, you know, it's a killer. And you typically a deal like this would be a backbreaker for, you know, for years to come in a dynasty league. And I, I did actually salvage it. And I've been in the semifinals and I made the semifinals that season. And I've been in the semifinals four straight years in that, in that league. So I, I've been in the mix, haven't won a championship. And maybe if I had Jonathan Taylor and Justin Jefferson, I might, uh, I might, <laughs> I might be in serious contention for one, but uh, you know, I, I've done enough to to steady the boat at least enough to stay competitive. But uh, yeah, that's one that when I look back at, at at my dynasty manager youth, that's the one where I look at where I'm like, man, you really are an idiot. 
<laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of stories out there. And hey, that's actually a good time to say, you know, for all you listeners, um, we want to hear maybe some of your stories too. Um, you know, we, we do have that on our SundaySureFire.com website that you can record anything. And, and you know, hey, if you want to you want to call in and share one of your trades or maybe you got a trade pending that you've, you've either sent or somebody sent you, you want to hear some advice, we can bring it on air. Um, you know, we, we don't have to, eh, you know, you can, you can choose if you want to hear it on air or not, or we can just bring it up. Right. So we definitely encourage that. I think it'll be fun. Let's bring it up on the socials. You can, you can tweet it to us, um, you know, reach out to us on Facebook, anything like that. Um, I think that'll be fun to get a little interaction with all the listeners, um, in that respect too. So I'm sure you're not the only one out there, Pat. So we want to hear these war stories and, and, and fantasy. Um, so I think that, I think that will be fun. So, um, moving on to kind of close out this week's shows. Hey, I think upcoming, what we got in the NFL is this is the week we're going to hear the official NFL schedules. So I think, you know, one thing that, that, that'll be fun to talk about next week is, you know, Hey, when, when these schedules land, you know, what does that do to your dynasty teams? You know, maybe from a win now's perspective, or if you're a redraft guy, um, you know, what, what are some of the guys that we think might make, you know, a good playoff run, uh, you know, with running backs, or, you know, looking at strength, of schedules and stuff like that. So um, that's what we have in store uh, for next week. Kamish, you got anything to add there? Yeah, it's, it should be a fun exercise to comb through that schedule day is another big fun milestone on the calendar. If you're, if you're someone like me who plans your annual football trips to, to go see a new stadium in a new city, then, it's a fun day for sure to see, you know, officially where, where your team's going to be going. And, you know, it, it's big on the fantasy landscape too, to see where, you know, who's going to be playing against, you know, what opponents at what time of year too. So ideally, you know, more so in redraft, you want to, you want to really keep an eye on that. So you can make sure that you're, you're filling up your teams with guys that have the best possible matchups. All right. All right. So in the famous words of captain Carmen, peace. <laughs>